and maybe just to give a short narration, Moses is on the mountain Sinai with God. He is gone there for about 40 days or so. He is with God. I'm sure there is a lot of business they are talking. How lucky or how favored Moses was eh? to have such a long meeting with God. I miss it. (laughs) But he had that opportunity. He's on the mountain, and obviously God is writing some stuff for Moses on the tablet of stones. I'm not sure how big the stones were, but they were sizable and carryable in the hands of a strong man. So he writes on both sides of the stones. He writes a lot of things. But while Moses is away for that period, Israel becomes impatient. And they begin to decide and think of making their own gods. And because they don't have that personal connection with God, their connection is through Moses. Now that Moses is off a bit, he has left them by themselves according to them, not according to God. So they do whatever they do. You know the story. Is at the foot of the mountain waiting for Moses to come down because he is Moses' assistant. He's waiting by the foot of the mountain. And he also hears what is happening. And when Moses comes down before time, because God says, go back, there is trouble in the camp. And Joshua tells him there is a singing that sounds like it's the singing of war and luck, but it's not. It's completely different. And when they get to the camp, there is the new God that the children of Israel have created for themselves and have offered sacrifice to them, to to the God, and they've done everything to this crazy thing that they have created of him, and he drops the tablets, they break, but he goes on to destroy the calf, burns it, splashes the, the ashes in the water and forces everyone to drink that water. Yeah, drink your God so that he never exists again. And, <laughs> and he, he divides the camp by opinion. Whoever is of God, come to my side. And the children of Levi, they come to be with Moses and they get the swords and they run, they run rampant in the camp. And the 3,000 men, these are the men that had worshipped the golden calf, are killed. I want to emphasize, it is men, not women. I repeat, it is men, and maybe I will link it up so that you can understand when we're talking. And they are killed, yeah? And then the children of Israel repent, and there is consecration and the luck, and Moses gets back to the meeting with God. They discuss their business, and it's finished, and God sends them on the way. But God makes a promise that I will make a visit. And the visit will be for punishment. Because there is one thing that God hates that I want to talk to us about this morning. Just one thing that God hates. But in this story, ladies and gentlemen, there are many things we can learn 
in the New Testament church. But today I will just maybe run through only two. I will run through impatience. Being impatient. Unless we will see it, how it goes. And then I will also briefly talk about this lack of leadership, which causes a lot of pain everywhere in the present day church and the like. So my topic this morning is very simple, very simple, but a little bit scary to others. It says the snare of idolatry. I want us to look in the New Testament church. Uh, you know, our understanding of idolatry is very limited to what it was in the past and the lack. But this morning, maybe we will just paint a little bit of a picture so that we understand that you can actually be in idolatry and think you are worshipping God when you are worshipping other things. Maybe while I am there, the Bible in First Peter chapter number 5, if you read verse 8, the Bible warns us very clearly to be vigilant, and to be sober, because our enemy, who is certain, moves him to devour. Guys, we live in a time where the enemy is highly active, hyperactive. I think he doesn't sleep. He is active seven days throughout a week, 24 hours a day, with a lot of schemes that look so true. That look so biblical, that have scripture in them. Yeah? That when you hear them, you see them, you read them, you just say, wow, this is it. And you run with such schemes, and yet there is a twisting of truth in those schemes that leads you to idolatry that leads you to doing things that God doesn't like. I need you to understand from the beginning that God hates idolatry. Right from creation, and when he chooses the children of Israel so that he could make what he wants to make, one of the given commandments is, thou shalt not have other gods besides me. And he also goes on to say, you shall not make yourself any image or any idol using anything on earth, underneath the earth, or in the heavens. That is to say you can't use any material he created to make a god or to make an idol out of. He burns that one. He hates that one because he is God and the only God. So we see here the children of Israel. He has done marvelous things with them all the way from Egypt. Yeah? While they were slaves, they never worshipped other gods. They always hoped for the God of Abraham, the God of their fathers. God comes, takes them through. I mean, he takes them through. You all know the story. Beautiful things on the journey, signs and wonders, miracles, this and that, provisions. But on this day, Moses, their leader, goes up to meet with God. And they remain in the camp and they miss the mark. 
Just 40 days. <laughs> Just 40 days, they missed the mark. This man who took us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened. So make us another God, because the God of Moses looks like he is not good at all. So, allow me to just show us two things. I said two things. My first point of discussion with us today is do not become impatient with God. It leads to sin. You as an individual, you as a born-again Christian, you full of the Spirit of God, do not become impatient with God. It will lead you to sin. How many times have you felt in your heart God has left you? How many times have you felt in your heart God is not hearing you? God is not answering your prayers. How many times have you tried to do things for yourself because you think that God is delaying? You want it now. You have no time to wait for God. In most cases, ladies and gentlemen, many Christians these days want micro-oven things. Because they think God takes time. They want things to work in their time, not in the time of God. And many of us have been caught in or caught up in this snare of becoming our gods, eh? ourselves, or allowing other people to be gods to ourselves, or many other things, because we want things in our own time. We are so impatient, we can't wait. We are so impatient, we can't wait to hear what God is saying. You get to your knees to pray, but your hand is already on that thing that you are praying for. Before you even say amen to listen to God, you are already doing it. You just tell God what you want to do. And you do it. I've seen a lot of people who have gone and done strange things and they will come and they, they bless the thing. Yeah, they will come to Zulu. Bless this thing, bishop, and the bishop says, bless it at thou in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And you go like that. And when the thing is utterly out of God's plan, it's completely out of God's thinking about you, it's completely out of God's time for you. Because you are impatient. Do you know that the Bible calls believers towards patience? The challenge is that we be patient. And the Bible calls patience long-suffering, which means that in patience, there is going to be some suffering for a while. You know, ladies and gentlemen, waiting on the Lord takes sacrifice. Waiting on the Lord takes faith. Waiting on the Lord takes an understanding that he is God. He is going to make this thing happen in its own time and in his time. Not your time. You see, if you are going to please God, your time doesn't work in the calendar of God. His time works. 
Impatience comes when you want to impose your time in God's time. Remember, he is not operating in this time that you and me have. He's not operating in this time of watching the sun rise and setting. No, 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 no. He operates in a different time, really. And unless we learn that God's time understanding, sorry, his understanding of time is different from ours, we continue to be impatient with God. We continue to mess up our relationship with God. Guys, you can look cool. You can attend church service every Saturday, every Sunday, wherever you are. But deep down in you, you are angry with God. Deep down in you, you are so impatient. God does not exist to do what you want. You exist to do what God wants about you. I think this is what we need to understand, that we are here to serve God. We are his creation, and he cannot be manipulated because he is God. So the Holy Spirit is there to teach us patience. And remember that patience is part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. So every believer who is led by the Spirit of God is able to wait, is able to tarry. Tarry ye a bit patient, they were going to miss Pentecost. They were going to miss the timing of God. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are going to walk in the timing of Jehovah, learn to be patient. Wait on him. Hold on. Hold on. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 40, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. When you are waiting on the Lord, when you are patient on God, hoping for God, having your faith on God, you become strong and not weak. Impatience makes you think you are weak because you are competing with others. I've realized that today all over this country and maybe everywhere else, particularly when it comes to leadership, there is a lot of competition which makes people very impatient and they begin to want to do things fast so they can be seen to be in the faith also. Yeah? So they can be seen to be anointed. Remember, guys, you you are right here. Up there, our bishops and everyone up there, they are competing on who is more anointed than the other. Yeah? That's why they begin to do a lot of horrible things. Many of them are into idolatry. Yeah? They source power from the kingdom of darkness. And you and me, because we are gullible and we are so ignorant in terms of discerning spirits, we run and they follow. Because you guys, you love signs and wonders and miracles and the flashy things. Yeah? You love beautiful stuff. You love nice cars and houses and everything. When the man of God comes here and he tells you about his 18 wardrobes full of this, you begin to salvate on those things. Oh my God, will I ever be as anointed? 
and you are caught in this idolatry trap that is causing us. Bael was so impatient. 40 days, they couldn't stand it. And if you look at it deep, their personal relationship with God was dependent on the man Moses. It was never theirs with God, even if God was the God of their fathers. They didn't have that connection. Remove Moses, they create other gods. Yeah? Even today, ladies and gentlemen, we have many of us whose relationship with God depends on a man of God, on the prophet of God. You say the man must pray for you. You can't do anything. This one must do everything for you. That is idolatry. Idolatry is when you place something in the place of God in your life. So when you place this man to be the one hearing from God for you, you can't hear from God. You are still in darkness, in idolatry. Because in the New Testament, every believer hears God. That's why Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. So that we all enter into that place and say, Abba, Father. He's your father. Are you listening to what I'm saying, church? There is so much idolatry everywhere. I remember, I think maybe I've shared this story one time, some three, four years, five years ago, maybe. We attended a conference. Me and my wife were invited to attend a conference for a friend, Malok Shingal. And we, we went. Yeah, they, they love honoring. So we sat in the front row and all that kind of stuff. We're looking big and... Nice. And then the, the man stands up to preach. He was saying to the congregation, you need a man for, you, for God to bless you. You need a Moses in your life so that God can bless you. I said to her, listen, I will not want to poison my faith. I will pretend my phone is ringing and I will go out and in about three, five minutes, please follow me. <laughs> yeah? And so my phone rang artificially, and I walked nicely out carrying a phone that was supposed to be ringing. In about five or so minutes, she came out. We got into the car, and they ran with our lives home. I don't need a man. The only mediator between God and man is Jesus Christ. So how is your being trapped in idolatry? Work on your relationship with Jesus. Make it sound. Make it workable. Make it living. Make it nice. It has got to benefit you. Make Jesus your friend. Talk with Jesus. Don't be a beggar. Talk with Jesus. He's your friend. He's your savior. He is your brother. And he is what you need. Nothing more, nothing else. Did I say you don't have to respect the man or whoever, your neighbor, and the like? No, 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 no. We are called to respect one another. 
We are called to honor one another. We are called to love one another. But many to the ear of God. But Jesus is. And you have that right as a child of God to go there. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? So all we need to do is to keep knowing that God is truthful and faithful. Yeah, he keeps to his word. We, we just need to understand that his promises are yes and amen. Not to the pastor only, not to the bishop only, but to every one of us, to all his children. Everyone who calls father, God says, I'm here, dear. Yeah, I'm here. There you go, and you relate. That's the beauty of it all. Let's train ourselves to come out of these trappings that we see all over the place. I always say to people, be careful what you watch on television. Be careful what you read. Be careful what you do. But having said that, ladies and gentlemen, impatience has destroyed a lot of us. Impatience harms a lot of us. Maybe you are already impatient over something. You think you have waited for too long. Hear me. There is nothing called too long with God. You are still on time. Because God is never delayed. He is on time. You think it's two years? No. Come on. It's not two years in his calendar. It's two years to you. But if you walk in that spirit of God, which brings patience and long-suffering into your spirit, two years is nothing compared to 472 years that Israel waited for their deliverance in slavery. And after all, you are in better form of slavery than them. Which means you can hold on. You remember... In the garden of Gethsemane, he says to his disciples, wait here, guys. Be praying so you don't fall into temptation while I go there also to, to pray. He goes there. He's depressed. The cross is just about to take place. He knows what is going to happen. And he comes back. The guys are fast asleep because their hearts were heavy with sorrow. Yeah, he wakes them up. Guys, you can't hold just for an hour. We don't want this to be said about you and me in the current dispensation. That we couldn't wait for another hour for the manifestation of what you have asked for. You left it and you went and tried satanic means. And then you come back to the church of Jesus Christ and celebrate the goodness of the Lord. It is called hypocrisy, ladies and gentlemen. You cannot fool God. So this morning, my encouragement is, let's learn to be patient. Talk to your neighbor and say, be patient more. Be patient more. Are you with me? It's good to be patient. Be patient with your husband. Be patient with your wife. Be patient with your child. Be patient with your boss at work. Be patient with yourself. Be patient with staff. Be patient. How long, pastor, till the last? 
means you will wait until Jesus comes. Congratulations. The heroes of faith waited and waited. They didn't see Jesus until they died. But praise God, you have seen Jesus. What else do you want? That is more than that. What is it that is so important in your life, more than Jesus, that you would commit idolatry for it? Is anything more important than Christ whom you have received? I doubt. If Jesus is important, there is nothing worth it. He is worth everything, so I can wait. I can trust him. I can walk with him. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me very well. Matthew 6.33, the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall follow you. Our number one challenge is we are seeking the things. That's why we become impatient. We are impatient because we are seeking what we are not supposed to be pursuing. We're chasing after what God himself has to be giving to you, loading it to you. We are so impatient because those things are not coming towards us the way they ought to come because the focus of our pursuit is wrong. His righteousness is our pursuit. So when our eyes are fixed on Jesus Christ of Nazareth, impatience falls away because he begins to supply the things. You are not your supplier. He is your supplier. You are not your provider. He is your provider. But you and me, we turn these things upside down. We are our providers. We are our suppliers. And we can't cope with that kind of assignment because it's not supposed to be my assignment. My assignment is to seek him, is to worship him, is to love him, is to pursue the kingdom, is to do what he tells me to do. More than what he did. And when I do that, he keeps supply. And when the supplies are good, ah, tolerance is good. eh? Patience is good. Things are working well. And when I do it myself for me, it's a struggle. You are limited. He is not limited. You get what I'm talking about this morning. The second thing, lack of leadership. Look at this story and see what Aaron does. See what Aaron does. Poor leadership. Serious leadership deficiency in terms of Aaron here. Moses is gone. Aaron must take charge. But Aaron is not taking charge. So you see that where leadership lacks, there is no control and people are vulnerable to evil. Where leadership lacks, No one controls anyone. Everyone does as they please. It's the people who come to Aaron, their leader, and say, I, our leader, Moses, has disappeared on the mountain. We don't know what has happened of him. Now you, listen to what we tell you. Listen to what we want. Yeah, we want... And instead of taking a leadership stance, she says, yes, 
bring the gold that God gave you from Egypt. Bring here. Yeah? The earrings from the wives, from the daughters, and from the sons. Ah, the sons had earrings. I didn't say anything. It's in the Bible. Yeah? Bring the gold. And he fashions this calf. Yeah? And he gives them. That is poor leadership. Leadership, ladies and gentlemen, is not about public demand. As long as that public demand is against the ethos of God, leadership has to say no. And yet we see this lack of leadership everywhere. Everywhere in the present day church. We see this lack of leadership structure at home, in our families, where leadership can't stand for anything good. Where leadership can't resist pressure from every quarter to compromise on the standards of the Lord. We see compromise in the lives of believers everywhere because of leadership deficiency. I call it the Aaron Syndrome, which he learned from the first Adam. You remember that in the Garden of Eden, Adam was there when Eve was in conversation with the snake? Yeah, he was there. He was hearing everything. Read Genesis 1, I mean Genesis 3, verse 6. He was there. Eve took the fruit, ate it, yeah, and then took another one and gave to his husband, I mean to her husband who was with her. That's what the Bible says. And Adam never gave leadership. He never responded as a leader. He remained silent and the things went hellwire. Where leadership remains silent in controlling and giving guidance, ladies and gentlemen, we can all be in idolatry here and enjoy it and think it is the blessing of the Lord. God, and think it is a good thing to do. Leadership is there to give guidance because leadership is of God. May I ask you a question? How are you leading at home? Because that's the first point of leadership. How are you leading at home? How are you guiding home? Where are you guiding them to? Oh, you are just Aaron. You are busy creating idols every now and again. You never say no to anything. What they demand, you give. If they demand the head of John the Baptist, you give it on the plate. You. It starts from there. If we miss it there, let me put it this way. If God does not talk to you at family level, how do you expect him to talk to you here? At any other level. Guys, God is a God of order. A God of principle. The only place where humanity must be matured and nurtured is family. And God talks to families more than he talks anywhere else. So if I can't hear his voice in terms of my leadership at family level, do I really expect to hear his voice in terms of my leadership here at community level? It becomes an impossibility. Because my voice for him is sharpened down there. Are you with me this morning? 
A lot of our people are so vulnerable to evil because the leadership structure of God is not hearing. It's not there. So I want to challenge us here this morning. We are all leaders here. How are we leading? Under whose instruction are we exercising our leadership? What did God say to you concerning your spouse? What has God said to you concerning your children? Look at your community. Don't you see the Aaron type of leadership everywhere? I see it. You see it in politics. You see it in governance. You see it in schools. You see it on the streets. You see it everywhere. That kind of leadership. If somebody says this, they run with it. This, they run with it. They lose shape. Yeah? They lose shape because they want to please everyone. You see, leadership is not by popularity. Leadership is by the principles and the principles of God. Drawn from the word of God. And the principles of God don't need the majority. They need faith to work. They work by faith and nothing else. Am I making sense this morning? I pray. I'm about to close. I pray. That is, believers, as King City Church, we will all rise up to where God expects us to be. We will say no to idolatry in whatever fashion and form. And we will be the leaders he wants us to be. Everyone here is a leader in the kingdom of God. Let us lead there. God's principles and God's design for us all. Let's run away from the systems of the world. You have learned leadership from the world system, but it's time we learn from God's system, the kingdom system, because we are a kingdom people. Hallelujah. There's so much I can share or we will share on this chapter, but for today, these two, I think, are enough. Don't be impatient with God. It will lead you to sin. Where leadership lacks, there is no control, and people are vulnerable to evil. You and me are enemies of evil. We must fight evil at all costs by adhering to the principles of the word of God through our Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who is coming again soon and very soon. Let's bow our heads and pray. Our Father and our King, this morning we thank you, we honor you, we, we give you praise, we give you all majesty. This far you have taken us. We thank you for your word and thank you for searching our hearts here, Lord. We reject impatience in us. Teach us by your spirit to be patient, to be long-suffering, Lord, to wait on you because we know you will do it. Whatever you promised, you shall do it. And we will see it in this life with our own eyes and we will enjoy it and we will testify of it. Therefore, we are not in competition with the world. We are in it, but we are not of this world. Teach us to lead, guide us, and train us, O oh God, in your own leadership that we may not fail like Aaron when duty calls.
We want to lead and lead with your spirit, by your spirit for your honor and for your glory. We thank you for the week ahead. We thank you, Lord, for the work we will do for you in our various stations. We are witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. Today and forever, you are our Lord and our God. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen and amen.